0: Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene, art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is The Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallan and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio.
1: And good Saturday morning to you and hope everybody's doing well out there in uh, the Palm Springs area. I'm Bonnie Gilgallan here with Brian Mendoza and welcome to our second week of our two-hour, new two-hour extended Culture Corner. It's really exciting and I'm glad we're, you know, we've gotten a little break in the weather. A little bit, you know, <laughs> not not bit. 110, not 115. Um, but it's nice to get up in the morning and be able to open the doors for at least an hour or so, you know, <laughs> if we had to put the air on. Um, but Don't you think, Brian, he's got a long sleeve shirt on
2: today. <laughs> I'm so happy I can wear my flannels and yeah. actually feel comfortable with my clothing and all that. And also the fact that I don't have to have the AC on for the constantly ne- constantly raising up my bill, and then uh, and then just the fact that I can go outside without feeling like like crap, honestly. Because yeah. when I go outside and I throw out the trash, I, I I don't like it. You get sweaty just going out for twenty <laughs> seconds. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: That's yeah.
2: the problem of living in the desert. But. The other day I went outside and washed my car and I said, you know what? It's fine. It's 3 p.m. I can handle this. Yeah. This is fine. Yeah. <laughs> we went out and sat in our backyard, we had, which is really nice. We really fixed up our backyard. And it was actually
1: we sat out there in the evening and we didn't have to, you know, have put our feet in the pool and have a fan in your face. I mean, you is actually kind of comfortable, which is great. So super. So um, we, we got a bunch of new, we have some great guests coming up, but this first segment, we like to chat about what's happening in the world of entertainment. And I just mentioned to Brian, this thing that um, we just found out a couple days ago. I'm kind of upset about a lot of my local musician friends. Facebook is decided as of October 1st, you know, you can no longer do live music. Uh, live streams on Facebook of little mini music concerts which I've been doing my with Eric a lot of friends have been doing where you just do four songs do a live Facebook feed from your living room and say hi maybe chat a little bit do four songs just to be able to perform, because with everything shut down, there's no live music anywhere because they can't do it. And so for performers to be able to perform and keep their creative juices flowing, but also it's a nice little entertainment thing for friends. They can see you instead of going, to call, hey, you're and they're cracking down. Apparently, it's because of ASCAP and BMI for the music licensing companies are not happy about it because they're not getting money from these <laughs> of things. Course they're not. And I, I get that. I get that. Um, but it's just... It's really sad because we don't know how soon stuff's going to open up. It's going to be months. And, um, and I know this would never happen. But Mark Zuckerberg is worth a billion plus or whatever he's worth. You know, he could pay some ASCAP BMI fees for uh, the next six months a year and let people still do this. You know, I think it's really sad.
2: No, I agree with that. The thing is with Facebook is that uh, we honestly don't know when things are coming back, like you said. And there's a good chance that it won't be back until late 2021, mm-hmm. if we're optimistic about it. Because yeah. the last pandemic like this lasted until 1920. I think it was like two years, wasn't it? Really, before things got back, I think. Yeah, two years. And even with H1N1, that took a whole year and a half for things to get a little bit back to normal, even though people vaguely remember that one Mm -hmm. funny enough I guess history repeats itself yeah but according to Facebook this is a guideline that's on their website you may not use videos on our products products to create music listening experiences Mm -hmm. if you use videos on our products to create a music listening experience for yourself or others your videos will be blocked and your page profile or group may be deleted yeah this includes live and for me this was an opportunity for me to support my musician friends who are unemployed. A lot of times these are they have imagine losing your paid gig mm-hmm. where you get tips and you get all this stuff and then yep. this perfect venue where you do it live and you get And a problem, PayPal. some
1: people were getting tips via PayPal. We weren't doing that, but some people were that's nice, you get a little bit. Why not? You know?
2: There's a good chance that a lot of these artists probably have enough of a enough of a following that they can get enough tips. Mm-hmm. I know some lo- some independent artists that otherwise they would not be making money because their CD sales are not exactly great and their right. single sales aren't great. They're more likely Spotify artists. Even artists that have some Success on Spotify, they're going to suffer from this because a lot of them are doing it live and that's a way for them to promote, especially without a concert because concerts are really where people make money. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. Nobody is making comp- money really on CDs or singles. Not anymore. nearly as much as they used to. Yeah. No, yeah. definitely. And for me, it, it, to me, it's a bit sad because a lot of like really successful artists are going to be the only people that will benefit from this. All those, the Lady Gagas, right. the Madonnas, all those people they're going to be fine. But the local artists is what really hurts because those people, you know, they're, 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 it's already a struggle being an artist nowadays and taking that opportunity away from them. is mm-hmm. just, it's a shame. And like you said, Zuckerberg could use yeah, like, that. Hello?
1: It can't be, can't be that much. I mean, I know that local local bars and venues and restaurants, they have to pay a certain fee, I like guess per year or whatever, just to kind of cover uh, the BMI and ASCAP fees for musicians that do live music in their venues. But the other thing that, I mean, I think it's just arbitrary, but also I think it's it's an emotional thing. I mean, I think so now the performers have nowhere to do anything till we get reopened, which is like you said, it's sure going to be at least six months before any live music is going to, unless you're doing an outside thing where people like a drive in theater or people in their cars are on a big stage, somebody's got to put that together. Um, I just think it's going to be a, an emotional hardship for both the performers and the People stuck in their houses. They can't go out and see anything. I mean, they liked, they liked watching those things.
2: And not everybody lives in one of those apartment buildings where there's a musician playing. Like, every time I see a video of the Italy Out on the balcony. balcony. It's balcony. great, yeah. <laughs> those are wonderful, but not everyone gets that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have any musicians outside in my neighborhood. And, yeah. you know, there's places that uh, it's impractical here in the United States because, you know, um, we're very individualistic here. Yeah. So a lot of times we won't go outside and... S- hear some music so everything is very much online and it's a it's a thing that unites us music unites us art and for me take that away from us we're just gonna have more division because on me facebook Let's be honest here, Facebook is a bit of a difficult spot. Sometimes you love it, but you also feel like it's a bit of like a toxic relationship because yes. you honestly go in there, you argue with your friends half the time, you see posts, that so you're like, okay, why am I friends with this person?
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's a place right now that is, uh, that is a platform for a lot of division and anger. And the music thing was one, you're right, One was one thing that was kind of bringing us together, and now we're going to lose that. And I think it's just <sighs> really sad.
2: It is, no and, and the thing would be that I understand the copyright situation, but you know, I, I personally think that if you take away Facebook, if Facebook takes that away, a lot of ours are going to suffer because you can't, if you transition over to Twitch or the other streaming platforms, I feel like there's a, not enough people that know those platforms, like I have a feeling that some people in our audience may or may not know what Twitch is or may not have have a Twitch. I don't even really know what Twitch is. So <laughs> It's like this thing where like you record yourself doing something and people uh-huh. comment and all that. Uh-huh. It's supposed to be set up where you're performing, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's it's mostly set up for video games, but even then it's that it's Twitch is more of a alternative to things when things yeah. are falling apart. Yeah. But no one I know personally goes on there to yeah. have it as their main platform.
1: Yeah. Well, We'll see what happens with this. Now, you had an interesting thing. Uh, what's what's
2: happening with the Oscars? This was an interesting story. So the thing about the Oscars is that they're having new rules starting twenty twenty four. So starting from twenty twenty four onwards, their best picture categories are going to have you're gonna if you're going to get nominated for best picture for any consideration, you're going to have to participate in these rules. For the other categories, not so much because best pictures. That's yeah. Because it's specifically like. These rules make more sense for that category. Yeah, so yeah. here's some of the rules they put together and one and there's a couple of them. So let me read directly from Deadline Magazine. They wrote you have to have at least one Asian Hispanic Latinx Black African American Indigenous Native American Alaskan Native they were really detailed. Yeah. <laughs> Middle Eastern North African Native Hawaiian and other uh Pacific Islanden, Islander or unspecific. Other underrepresented race or ethnicity as a lead or or significant actor. significant role, yeah. Okay. And another thing would be that, addition, they also mention this for like prominent production or marketing jobs. So, for example, like if your production team is all white, that's not going to cut it. Now, yeah. it's like yeah. you kind of have to throw in some diversity because mm-hmm. there's plenty of people of color that can qualify for those jobs. Absolutely. It's, it's not about. Pushing a qualified white person away I think that's a misconception yeah. it's about saying wait a minute maybe we should look at other candidates too and we're ignoring these groups additionally other things they are trying to do is employ more women which mm-hmm. is great and yes. I, I think I've already seen that in the industry last year we had plenty of films directed by women it's that be- a lot better news to be yeah. And LGBT members, uh, LGBT <laughs> members, as if mm-hmm. you have a membership, yeah, yeah, membership <laughs> card, membership card, and it says right here, members of a racial and ethnic group, or people with cognitive or physical disabilities, who are mm-hmm. deaf, hard of hearing, they, you have to have them at least thirty percent of the time in secondary or minor roles. You ha- and it's good, t- and they also said like another qualification would be like let's say you have a film that doesn't have 30% but you have a film that at least centers on an underrepresented group so let's say if you the made a...
1: story it, has, uh, refers to that, yeah, or yeah. is about that, yeah, okay
2: and the other thing would be you have to hire more creative leadership and department heads that have to be like 30% diverse and, mm-hmm. and paid internships for that and then representation and media distribution should include all this too. Mm-hmm. But it says right here you don't have to meet the qualifications of everything that it's possible that you might make one rule but not the other cuz it's a difficult rule to kind of well, navigate. Well, it's a, tra-
1: a transition. People are now having to adopt to this. So it might take a little time, but I think it's great and the because every Movies, everyone sees movies. You know, minorities go see movies. People with disabilities go see movies. So you should have... You should. Uh, the marketing team should be marketing to everyone. So why not have people in all different kinds of groups as part
2: of that? I think it's great. And I think what makes this great is that people have this impression that the industry is going to change on its own, that people are just no. naturally going to open up their hearts. And it's not true at all. No, like, no. The thing would be that you have to kind of push towards including people. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times... Um, A lot of people that object to these think that we're excluding people or that we're going out of our way to exclude wonderful, talented, white men, um, cis, heterosexual people. But that's not part of it. The the reason is that there was a lot of controversy that started in 2015 about how how come all these great movies with black people in it don't get nominated. And you also have to think about the types of stories that get nominated. Like two years ago, we had a film called Green Book that won over Roma.
1: Great movie.
2: Yeah. Well, both of them are, I would say both of them are pretty decent movies, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like to be honest with you, like Roma more specifically, I liked. I didn't see that. Roma is a movie that showed up on Netflix and it was about like Mexican culture Mm -hmm. and it was about an indigenous woman taking care of a Mexican family and it was such a wonderful movie. The only thing is that it lost to Green Book and for a lot of people, Green Book kind of represented a Driving Miss Daisy effect, which Mm -hmm. was we're getting a movie that centers around a white person's reaction to a black experience rather than the black experience, which is understandable. I can
1: see that, yeah. Okay.
2: And a lot of people felt the same way about driving Miss Daisy when it went over, do the right thing. So the idea is to be more inclusive and mm-hmm. to be a little bit more thoughtful about that.
1: All right. We're going to come back uh, with our first guest today, who is uh, Deborah McGarry. And she's the co-chair of the event, the Paint Al Paseo Pink event to raise money uh, to fight breast cancer. But it's going to be virtual this year. So we'll be back to talk to her in just a bit. We'll be right back on The Culture Corner.
0: You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallon and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian.
1: And welcome back to The Culture Corner and right now we are joined by Deborah McGarry who is the co-chair uh, event co-chair and board member for Paint El Paseo Pink which is a wonderful event they hold every year and I've participated in oh gosh about I don't know been a while eight nine years ago I did the walk Uh, it's to help raise money uh, to fight breast cancer and this year of course everything's different this year so this year it's going to be virtual so we're now joined by Deborah. hi Deborah. how are you good how are you good and I'm here with uh, Brian Mendoza my co-host so so tell me how this is going to work first of all it's a great idea that you're able to still do it so tell me how it's going to work in a virtual way
4: So this year, the 14th annual Paint El Paseo Pink is going to be held on October 10th at 8 a.m. But again, we're doing this virtually, so we're not having the walk on El Paseo. However, what we're going to do is encourage our participants and those that have participated in the past to register online at the Desert Cancer Foundation website, and then you will then be able to participate virtually anywhere, anywhere in the Coachella Valley, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. And by doing so, you will be able to um, participate. We're going to put it up on social media. We're going to have uh, several different ways that we're going to be able to do this uh, via Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, and just basically showing all the various participants walking throughout their communities. And when you do register, it's a $25 fee, which is what it has been in the past, and you'll still get that commemorative T-shirt that we've had every year, but this one is going to be special because it's going to be for 2020.
1: Wow. And I was reading your uh, press release. I love this, that um, neighborhoods and, and gated communities have can have pink ribbon signage will be available to uh, communities uh, so they can have pink
4: ribbon lawn signs in honor of people. So tell me a little bit more about that. So, the data, so when we do registration, so you could go ahead, when you do your registration online, you could go ahead and request a lawn sign. And then on that lawn sign, it's going to be blank, and you can actually use it as a dedication to somebody who is dealing with cancer right now, who has had cancer, or just remembering someone who's very special and you want to honor them. And you could put that sign then in your yard just to go ahead and help to promote the Paint El Paseo Pink virtual event. And so on the week prior to the walk, so starting um, the week before over at the gardens, you'll be able to go ahead and pick up your T-shirt and also pick up your lawn signs. And that will start on October 5th, uh, Monday, at 7 a.m. with registration. And we'll be doing that every day up until the Friday before the walk.
1: Okay. And you're obviously your... Strongly encouraging people. If you're going to get a little team together, a little group to stay walk in your neighborhood, definitely want to wear masks and social distance and do it as safely absolutely. as possible. Right. Yeah.
4: Yes, absolutely. Please do everything you can, you know, to, to do the social distancing, six foot, you know, wear your mask um, if it's appropriate and make sure that, you know, you're following all of the uh, local regulations pertaining to um, COVID. Mm -hmm.
1: And so have you had, what a great idea. I mean, was there, did this like come together right away or did it, was it, did you ever think (laughs) about canceling it or did someone say, no,
4: let's do it virtual? Yeah, that's a really great question. We have been talking about the possibility of hosting the event on El Paseo all the way through July. And Mm -hmm. as it continued to, sh- you know, as you were able to actually see that uh, COVID wasn't really going away, mm-hmm. that we were going to continue to somewhat be, you know, sheltered in place or being at home and not social gathering up until maybe the end of this year, we decided just to be safe. Let's try to do this virtually. Because, of course, you know, local health agencies are still saying, you know, please go out and walk, you know, get your exercise, just, you know, continue to do the social distancing, but it's okay to be outside. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, we felt, you know, we don't want to pull 2,000 people together on El Paseo. Let's postpone it and do it virtually.
1: Great idea. Great idea. Now, t- let's talk about so the uh, numbers. Would, do you know a, a ballpark how much this race event has raised over
4: the last 13, 14 years? Oh, my goodness. Over the last uh, several years, um, it has continued to grow. I think last year, we actually raised probably close to, I believe, $80,000 um, roughly. Wow. Um, so, of course, you know, this year, we're not anticipating to raise that much. But keep in mind that every dollar that we raise goes to ten dollars um worth of cancer care so that to me you know that really does add a lot of money that we could actually use to help to support our patients
1: and is this is this one of the uh events where all the money stays in the desert
4: Absolutely. Every dollar stays here in the Coachella Valley and uh, helping, of course, those patients that aren't able to pay for cancer care. And as a cancer survivor, you know, I'm very grateful that I was able to have insurance to do what I needed to do to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if you don't have that, it just I can't imagine this additional stress that would cause. Right.
1: So what kind of uh, response have you had? A lot of positive response to people who've heard about this, that it's going to be virtual?
4: Well, we've had a really great response from our sponsors, and I would love to go ahead and just kind of mention sure, some of those sure. sponsors. Absolutely. Our diamond sponsor is Eisenhower Lucy Kersey Cancer Center, and they helped us a, um, sponsor us this year at a $7,500 sponsorship, which was huge. The General, of course, has been a longtime sponsor of ours, and they have also been a big sponsor, and they're coming in at a ribbon of hope. And then in the city of Palm Desert, Uh, Desert Regional and CV Strategies, along with El Paseo Jewelers, has continued to be our Think Pink sponsors. And so again, we want to thank them so much for continuing to support us. And we have other sponsors as well, uh, STP Toolbox, SoCal Gas, and Golden One.
1: All right, thank you so much to Deborah Deborah McGarry, Paint El Paseo Pink. Check it out, www.paintelpaseopink.org. Thank you so much. We'll be right back on The Culture Corner.
0: The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's the Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio.
1: And we're back on the Culture Corner. We're now joined by one of my favorite people. I just uh, love this woman. She's hilarious. Shan Carr, who is a, a local comedian, and she's got some really fun stuff going on. She is uh, hosting a series of online events, Gay Desert Guides Fun and Games Department, and would like to welcome Shan Carr. How are you doing? I'm good, enjoying the sunny, well, hazy Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell us about um, this uh, all these fun and games. How did you get involved in this? And tell us what's happening.
5: Well, um, I work with Gay Desert Guide, which is created and run by Brad Furr. And he and I have done a bunch of weirdo projects together. And he created a partnership with a guy in New York who has been doing these games and uh, speed dating, and so we're doing both of those with him. As soon as he started, you know, talking to this guy about that, I bullied my way in. I'm like, "Hey, I'm the host, right?" <laughs> <laughs> and then he said yes. And then we called Hugh to see if in New York, see if he was into it. He remembered me from day cruises and stuff. So it was. A, I got the job, and I'm having a great time with it. We do uh, a game night every Tuesday. We have, like, a big gay game night, which is a variety of three or four games. Mm -hmm. And then we have the standard gay trivia, which is always a hit. And we have a scavenger hunt, which I can't tell you how much fun it has been to host that. People have to sit somewhere, and then I tell them what they have to find. And it can't be, like, in hand's reach of where they're sitting. They have to actually get up and run across their house and get something. So you'd Um, say things like...
1: I want to, I want to, you know, a, a spatula or something that you might have in your house. Is that how it works?
3: Exactly.
5: <laughs> and then, you know, I always have to, I always have to put a few that are like too hard or whatever, like bring us something that's usually large that you have a tiny version of. And, you know, with gay guys, so <laughs> go right to the worst case possibility. Thank yeah. God no one has shown that. Yeah. But you know, a tiny little liquor bottle or a mm-hmm. little matchbox car it's been creative. I tried to get him to bring back an empty roll of toilet paper, thinking I'd get to watch them unroll. But of I roll right there. That's it. And so In trivia, I'm not built to write the questions because my questions are too hard. They let me write the questions for trivia. And like out of ten questions, the smarty pants got three because I picked all this weird obscure stuff.
1: Go, can you give us one example of your trivia question?
5: Um I uh, one of the questions was, what city? In what city are people being arrested on masse for hanging gay pride flags on statues? What? What European cities, Right? Or what? You know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it was. It's a big story in Warsaw. Yeah. That, you know, they're protesting a bunch of stuff and people hanging flags and they're just arresting all of them. But, you know, not everybody has got their uh, nose to the Warsaw. News. News, right. 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 Yeah. And so people and so people,
1: um, they run on the, it runs on the Zoom app. So people only you don't only really need a device with a screen, a microphone, and a headset, and to be able to go on Zoom, and then you can participate, right? Yeah, you can just sit in
5: front of your laptop. Yeah. You don't need you know, yeah. any computer laptop has it. You don't need a headphone or a mm-hmm. mic or any of those things, usually. Um and then we have a each of these games have additional apps. Um so you kind of have to put two screens up on some of the games because you want to write in your answer first, or, you know, a lot of it is multiple choice and you need to click the multiple choice in 15 seconds. It's, and what's funny is, you know, most of my friends are in their seventies and uh, sometimes this stuff is not terribly accessible um, but we were able in each time to like, there's always one or two people who are like, I don't have that button. We're like, of course <laughs> you know. So, and most of those are my friends who have joined the yeah. game. And so I let the host, uh, explain it to them. So I don't go, I don't sound like you talk to a friend.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Why can't you figure <laughs> this out?
5: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a girl, take a, take a tutorial for God's sake. You know, I was. I do find that I'm harder on my own friends in the room, so I might need to check that a little bit, but otherwise. yeah,
2: You know, Shan, I actually have a quick... Oh, yeah, go on, Shan. I was gonna ask you um, about the virtual dating. Now, like, you have speed dating, and you know in real life you kinda have like 101, and you quickly introduce yourselves and all that. How does this work on virtual? Because I know that on Zoom, everyone has to log in almost on the same thing. Do people get individual codes to their own, like, dating rooms and all that and then log out and then log back in?
5: I'll tell you. So you get a link and you go into the big Zoom room, which we call the lobby, mm-hmm. and there's 10, 20, 30 guys or gals or whatever who show up for the speed dating. We play a little game. You know, we do some of those standard interaction icebreaker kind of things quickly, And then each person, again, it's another app that's layered uh, over Zoom that we pay for, and and we have a tech who operates that part of it. And uh, as soon as we hit the button, uh, the the application shoots everybody into one-on-one rooms, breakout rooms. So there's two people in every room. And they have five minutes, about 30 seconds before it's over. The clock starts ticking down. They know they need to wrap up their conversation. And then again, the tech and the app throw everybody back into the lobby. And we play a little quick game again while he sets up the analog to make sure that everybody has a different one-on-one date. So when you get to the date, you're on half the screen and they're on half the screen and it's amazing. I, you know, I, I've been single for a billion years. I'm still not ready to date. Like, I can't imagine dating. But this is, you're sitting at home with a martini and your dog to calm you down. And all you have to do is have a five-minute conversation with a stranger from, you know, wherever. It's it's easy. And actually, we did our first women's one about two weeks ago. Um, and every, so at the end of the game... When it ends, you get this little readout with a picture of everybody. They all upload a photo that they're comfortable with and a first name. And at the end of the game, the app gives you a screen with all the people that were in the lobby in the whole game and three things next to it. And you say, I'd love to have a second date, or I think they'd be an interesting friend, or I bet we could do business together. And then again, the application looks it over, and if people pick the same kind of connection for each other then they get each other's email in the morning and that's as easy as it is. Oh, that's so I love awesome. that. I love that.
2: You know, the pandemic I... just gives everyone I'll inc- oh, go ahead, Chan, mm-hmm. I'm sorry.
5: <laughs> no, it's okay. It's it's so I thought it was going to suck personally and be awkward and <laughs> yeah. It, you know, because like I said, a million years later, I can't even imagine going on a date, but it's super I don't know, it takes care of a notch of the awkwardness of it all at least.
1: Yeah, I think so. And do you know, I guess there's no really no, it's not, a, I guess it's private, but I'm wondering if any, you think anybody's maybe going to got burgeoning relationships coming out of that?
5: Well, I mean, we are four weeks out from our first it's dating. So, soon, and we yeah. really haven't followed up too much on that, mm-hmm. but you do see, because you still have to hit the button to see who picked whom mm-hmm. and, you know, make it send the emails to those people. So, interestingly, the, ho- the, you know, the tech guy, uh, Hugh, the creator guy, Hugh, he said that in the lesbian dating thing last month, every single person got a match of some kind, which he'd not seen ever happen before. Wow, that's great. I love right. that. And, <laughs> and four of them, two couples, picked second date. So, amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean. And so you also, Wontong,
1: you also host the I Love Palm Springs podcast. Tell us about that.
5: So we just did episode 62 of I Love Gay Palm Springs. It's a, work, a weekly on Thursdays. It comes out like in the afternoon. And it's been super interesting. We started a radio station a year and a half ago or something like that. And, uh, and when things sort of fell apart there, we took our big gay local focus and we put it on a podcast instead with Zoom Mm -hmm. so you can see us and you can get it on Apple or check us on the Idle Gay Palm Springs page or the Gay Desert Guide page or any of those many paths to it but like we have a regular the publisher of the Coachella Valley Independent Magazine is on every other week Mm -hmm. and Dr. Laura Rush who is a Kaiser doctor and handles a lot a huge amount of the HIV clients in town has also been fighting with and working with COVID so she comes on uh, regularly and then we have the mayor and a couple city council members and the guy uh, Michael Green who creates Cinema Diverse which started yesterday and it has been a nice little nugget of structure in my life that Thursday morning I have to be conscious and completing sentences <laughs> by 8 a.m.
1: So tell people for real briefly um, people who are, are new to you um, wh- wh- how, how, briefly how you got started you've done you did a lot of cruises right You did a lot of co- stand up on cruises tell people about that through it
5: I was the token lesbo on Atlantis Cruises, which is the largest gay travel company in the world. And in 1999, after 10 years of sending them uh, requests to be hired, somebody got sick and they had to hire somebody at the last second. And then after that, for 11 years, so I did every trip with them. And I became the person who did the show on the last night of the cruise. It was called The Last Last. And I would spend the whole week walking around with my camera and actually fewer of us had, nobody had a phone half of that time like this, but taking pictures and taking pictures from guests and listening to their stories. And then at the end, I would tell the story of their, our shared experience. And, uh, it was, my show was at midnight on the last night before you got off the ship and a thousand seats, they would still be lined up out the door because, They knew they might be in the show. Yeah. I didn't realize I was creating such a hook, you know, but it really truly was. And now I get hired for things like conventions, like a three or four day conference where I go to a bunch of the workshops and, you know, listen to people's stories and wrap up a convention or uh, lots of different kooky things.
2: You know, Shan, I was going to ask you. There's so much LGBT media that's on streaming right now. Have you seen anything that you would recommend to our listeners? Because you're such a big supporter of LGBT content, that I'm actually curious if you've seen anything that came out this year, like Portrait of a Lady on Fire or the new L Word. I
5: did love Portrait of a Lady on Fire. You know, it was good. Um, I liked uh, and and I liked the new L Word, although it took me a long time to sit down to it. I love Killing Eve. Right, I love um oy vey. I mean just sometimes, you know, I don't actually have to have a lesbian thing, but strong female uh driving lead. Uh I have been this week enjoying In the Dark, which is about a totally dysfunctional blind girl um who gets herself in tons of trouble and uh, loves booze and sex. So hey, who doesn't love watching that? <laughs> I'm too old to do all that and she's hot, <laughs> so awesome. I'm living vicariously. Seriously, yeah. Her bad have the first decision I make inside my house is, you know, to forget to close my doors at night or something. Yeah. So Shan, I can't yeah.
1: I can't remember if I've asked this before but you seem like didn't did you write something? Did you write a book? If not, you should. I'm thinking.
5: I I didn't write a book of words, frankly. I wrote uh, I compiled many years ago now. A book called you're gonna be gay and they were a bunch of my friends and entertainers childhood pictures that were That's so where right. yeah that if their parents ever acted shocked 20 years later it was a lie their parents were in <laughs> denial they bought this guy a three-story barbie townhouse and then disowned him when he came out like yeah, it's real? like duh what shit i know so yeah i'm not good at putting pen to paper in a linear way although i wrote a column I've written lots of articles, even for the Coachella Valley Visitors Bureau, or back in the day there was the Bottom Line magazine I wrote for them. I write for Gay Desert Guides sometimes.
1: Well, Shan Carr, thank you so very much. This is so exciting what you're doing. Gay Desert Guides, fun and games department. Also check out I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. Best of luck to you. Thanks so much for spending time with us today. Really appreciate it.
5: My pleasure. Thanks Uh,
1: for having me. All right. We'll be back with more on the Culture Corner in just a moment.
0: You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallon and Brian Mendoza, talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie.
1: And we're back on The Culture Corner, and we're going to chat a little bit more about some news stories. Um, this just outrageous story about this gender reveal party that this family had and set off fireworks that apparently sparked one of these huge fires that are all over California right now. I mean, how stupid is that? I mean, we were just talking. I think gender reveal parties are overdone anyway. But you've got to stop and think about what your actions, how your actions might affect other people. And just use some common sense. My God.
2: You know, I remember I was having this exact conversation with someone about gender reveal parties, and they were saying... Why don't you? Why don't we just let people have fun with them? Because I was saying that they're a little obnoxious to me. To be perfectly honest, I think the whole concept is kind of weird to me. It's yeah. like, you know, like people put too much emphasis on the gender of the baby. Exactly. In my opinion, and I've seen videos where these. Little kids, I saw this little video of this little girl that opened up the box, because sometimes they do these little low-key ones. And it's blue or it's pink pink, or whatever, yeah. And this little girl was so mad that it was blue, and she hits her sibling in the face because of how mad she Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I saw one of those, and I saw another one where the kid just burst into tears and ran out of the room because they wanted a boy and it was going to be a girl. I mean, yeah, I think it's... Yeah, I just think it, you know, just... If it's whatever it is, as long as it's healthy, that's great. But uh,
2: yeah, I think it's too much. And some of the problems with the gender reveal party situation is that I think that there's a point where yes, I could just turn my head and say, well, you know, I don't care, they're obnoxious. But once they start a wildfire, and once things like that start happening, then it affects me because when I go outside, it's like I feel like I have a dirty lung. And I feel like I have mm. smoker's lung, and I don't even smoke. And the other thing would be that. This is even the first time that something like this happened. There was a wildfire last year because of a gender reveal party, not in California, but like I think it was in Arkansas where there was a fire there, and it spread a little bit. And it was from fireworks that the hit that off. Yeah. Yes. And and,
1: uh, yeah, and plus, th- not only the expense. You said they this this family was fi- fined, correct? Didn't you say that? We the, think they
2: are partici- they are participating with the fire department, but no one is sure what consequences they're going to yeah. face. But there is going to be consequences and because you don't get you don't do that without having to face.
1: Them. I mean, th- the. That Thousands and thousands of dollars that this firefighting effort is costing. All the homes that are burning down, people losing their homes. And some people have been killed. I mean, you know.
2: It gets to a point where we realize, wow, we should let people have fun, but not at the expense of others. And the other thing is I told my friend, People should just be careful. It doesn't hurt to be a little careful. And why do you have to have pyrotechnics? If you are somebody that has no experience with pyrotechnics, what are you doing with them? Like what Mm -hmm. exactly are you going to be doing with fireworks and explosions and all that just to reveal a blue or a pink color? For me, there's a reason why. And people always bring up, well, we shouldn't have fireworks at July 4th if we have that logic. I'm like, well, the thing is, though, the July 4th fireworks, they are they are produced professionally produced professionally organized by the city they do regulations that's why they tell you not to put off your own fireworks because the big the city fireworks are they plan it out pretty meticulously in case something bad happens and they do it away from the public that is the reason why fireworks are they encourage you to go to these events because it's better for them to regulate it a little bit and the thing about the gender reveal party too is that there was an instance where a woman had a pyrotechnic that exploded in her face, and she got disfigured. And I think she was the mom of this child that was over in, I think, Alabama or yeah. some was, state like that. Was that worth it? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and one thing I gotta say though is that the woman who, the influencer who actually started gender reveal parties, she actually has said that she's kind of done with the whole premise, and she Good. said that she regrets it immensely. And look, there is a point where you know. I don't really agree with gender reveal parties as a concept, but if you're going to do it, you should keep do it keep it
1: small and in a way that does not endanger anybody.
2: And I definitely yeah. and I definitely agree with that. Like be careful like cut a cake or do it in a have sense, a balloon, you know, balloon. or something. Yeah. But pyrotechnics, if you don't if you don't have a experience with those, why Leave why them should alone. you?
1: Do? I don't think per, I think personal fireworks should be outlawed that's my perfect personal opinion <laughs> um let's talk about D- uh disneyland disney
2: world uh, uh, letting uh, f- employees who've been tested positive for covid go to work that's a problem now some disney ca- cast members have actually said that according to according to the daily beast that some of them have said that they actually tested positive for covid and that they were told to kind of you know, keep a tight lid on it and uh, you can go to work. Just don't really inform anybody. And this is a this is apparent. And I do want to say this is reportedly. I'm not. So we tr- don't know 100 percent. 100 percent. But, but th- this is something to talk about, because the fact is that Disney World made the controversial decision to reopen. I talked about it a couple months ago, and mm-hmm. I personally didn't think it was a good idea for them to open at all. No. no. And for me, it's like, why would you? go somewhere wear a mask and then you scream and there's a good chance that let's be honest your scream is going to generate some um droplets because that's how it spreads it really just spreads the droplets like little tiny one little tiny droplet on your tongue you're probably going to get it that's it yeah
1: and you know it it's just this is just such an ongoing thing you know here's the thing it's Oh, no, this is hard for all of us. In fact, in fact, tomorrow, September thirteenth, tomorrow, I remember March thirteenth was the last gig. I think Eric had, or I think it was canceled. So tomorrow's for me is like a six month, uh, you know, time that we've been dealing with this. It's awful. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. It's been stressful. People have lost money. Lost money. It's horrible. Nobody likes it. No one likes wearing a mask. No one likes. It. But you know what? The alternative is if you're a risk, if the chance is that you're going to risk either you ending up in the hospital on a ventilator or dead or someone you love and know on a hospital on a ventilator or dead, guess what?
2: The risk is not worth it. No, you know? definitely. And the fact is that in, in other countries, I would say Japan, Japan, they did this thing where people wear masks. But when you go on the amusement rides they tell you, you can't scream, please scream on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Disney world doesn't do that. And I don't know if you've seen, I think if anyone can see the live camera right now, people wearing their mask underneath their chin, people that wear their mask over their and with their nose sticking out. Yeah. yeah. Sticking out. And for me, it's, it's ridiculous because like a lot of times employees can't say anything because people really do get mad and and it's much, and this, I understand this. It's better to just keep a mouth shut and let the, darn person leave the store as soon as possible Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's still at the health of other risk uh, risking someone else's health so for me to hear this about the disney company i'm not surprised because personally if you opened in Florida, if you open Disney World, that just means you don't really care. That you don't care. It's, don't it's
1: care. all about money. It's all about the bottom line. We just got to get people in. We don't care if they get sick or not. Who cares?
2: And I and the thing is that Disney Company has suffered a lot, but I mean they're also like mega rich too. So for it's me, like, it's, it's like, it's, like a, I don't think
1: they're going bankrupt anytime <laughs> soon.
2: I mean they have. They, they convinced a lot of people to download a movie for $30 on a streaming platform called Mulan. I was so. going to say,
1: do do more of that. Do more of downstream movies and p- charge people money. If that's why then don't open up on the Neeson Park where you're going to have thousands of people coming in there.
2: And the other thing was that they there's videos of people that actually do take off their masks at Disney Of course, you're, Disney not gonna g- every,
1: you're not going to make everybody keep it on. Some people are going to take it off. You know that.
2: And especially in, in Florida where COVID restrictions are slowly... Well, they're actually almost abolished and their, and
1: their numbers are not good their numbers no. are not good ah. okay alright we're going to be back for a second hour of the Culture Corner we're going to talk to Shauna Bromowitz who's the artistic director of Desert Ensemble Theatre Company We've got some big news alright we'll be back with more on the Culture Corner in just a bit